Good. Let's grab our seats so we can get up out of our seats. Oh, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a really good day. You guys can have a seat. Say hi. Kiss somebody when you pass them. Even if you don't know them, just really get friendly quick. Be good. Oh, we got all the jibber jabbers jibber jibber jabbering. Ooh, I'm loud. All right. Sorry, David, I'm going to ruin your, your stand there. I need a place to put my tea, man. I need a place. All right. I know. I don't know why. Huh? Let's sit down, kids. Just so the Hurleys and the Loves can stand back up. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but Christine is gone today. The force is strong with me. Hello. I feel like I'm inside a PVC pipe right now. Right, am I alone? No? You, that, I, sound, I sound good? Okay. So, it's, it's a really good mic? Really good pipe. Like stainless steel gas pipe. Like high quality. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I got a few things real quick before we get started. Uh, sorry, I'm a little nervous today. Christine's not here, Cindy's not here, Pastor Sean's not here. And they're like, yeah, you got it, just go. I'm like, "Eh." no, Ryan, you're ready, you're ready, just go, just go. Uh, And so I want to knock out a few things. I'm getting less and less stressed the more I check off things off my list today. And uh, I knew, I knew for a few weeks now, Josh and Violet Hurley, say hi, hi. Uh, They've been communicating how God is really putting on their heart. Uh, to move east somewhere. They, they have some land, homesteading land over there. They have a lot of opportunities that way. And they've been kind of, you know, feeling it out. And the Lord is just continuing to open doors and give them direction to go east. And um, Josh runs sound and, and video a couple, couple times a month for us. And a while back he goes, hey, Ryan, can you just take me off the schedule for a little while? I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't have a bunch of weeks scheduled out. And then I can't be there because I might, I might be moving. And uh, two weeks to the day ago, two weeks ago to the day, uh, Violet was like, Ryan, Pastor, I, I really think we're going to move in two weeks. The Lord's putting it on my heart, we're going to move in two weeks. And, well, it's almost two weeks. They're going to move in two weeks and one day. Uh, but they're, what, what, early morning? Yeah, early morning. If you, if you leave at midnight, that's solid. Um, but what I'd like for them to do is just come up. We're going to pray for them and pray them way out. Uh, if you guys could, come up front. Um, one thing I've always learned and is, is if we get people coming into the church or leaving the church, my favorite thing to do, yeah, come up here, um, is I love it when people come in peace. And if there's a reason for, uh, for them to leave this church body, this part of the body of Christ, that they go in peace. Yeah. And this is, um, it's a little bit of a bittersweet feeling for sure. Because uh, we love them, and we don't want to see them go, but we're excited to see what God's going to do. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not the only couple leaving. Uh, this one I'm not excited about. Uh, they're excited, and I'm excited for <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be bitter about it, because he's one of my closest friends here. Uh, I could tell him anything. He, he would pray for me in a heartbeat. Uh, he'd come over, in fact, it was a week ago, came over to my house and fixed all the dry rot in my subfloor and my master bedroom. He ripped the whole door out, put a new door in, then put a little final vinyl seal. I didn't even know what a seal pan was, but I didn't have one, and now I do. Um, you know, stuff like that. And his dad helped, and just, I love the loves. And I know that sounds real punny, but uh, I love them. And so 
uh, Marty and Heather and, uh, you know, Ricky, right? And little Marley right there. She's asleep. Uh, they're going to they're gonna leave us too, unfortunately. They've been, they had this long desire to go east to Spokane where, where Heather's family is. Uh, Marty has, do you still have a ton of family over there? Yeah. Well, your sister's in Spokane. Oh, they're the long, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and, and something that they thought when they, ever since they moved up here from California is the long-term goal is to go east. And uh, a couple weeks ago, they asked their realtor, they said, hey, when's a good time? When do you think will be a good time to sell this house in the future? Because our long-term goal is always to go east. Uh, when do you think it would be a good time to, to sell here and buy over there? You think in a year, two years, what is it? And the realtor was like, right now. <laughs> like right now. And uh, I hung out with Marty like on a Wednesday. Thursday goes by. Friday goes by. Saturday goes by. Sunday, oh, Ryan, I'm moving to Spokane. When? I don't know. My house is already on the market. Whenever that sells, we're out. <laughs> and, oh, well, that's at least a month, so I got you for a month. And then uh, this morning, he goes, oh, I meant to, forgot to tell you yesterday when we were at the fine arts thing, uh, I'm moving tomorrow. <laughs> I'm moving Monday. Oh, sucker. Uh, I'm pretty upset. I mean, he's, uh, I love the way he leads worship. Uh, you can tell he's a Marine by everything he does. He just does it. He doesn't question. He doesn't hesitate. If the Lord were to put something on his heart, uh, let, for example, well, this is a really good example. You're doing my example. Uh, if the Lord calls you to go east, he just does it. Mm-hmm. Calls up the realtor one day, they come out the next day, it's on, it's on the market in three days. He, does, he doesn't hesitate at all to do what God has called him to do. And it's incredible to see what they both have been going on in their life. To watch both of you and your kids to grow up has been a, a blessing on my life and my wife's life. We love that you're part of Mountain View and my family. Uh, you're really close to me. So I want you guys to come up. We're going to pray for you too. You're not off the spot. All right. And then, uh, you know what? Where is he? Greg Killingsworth, can you please pray for these? Here, come on up here. And uh, Greg is awesome. He is. And if you need to know anything about chickens, go. B- I'm just saying. Have him give you a tour of his coop. It's, it's more than one room. It's a palace. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, can you, can you pray for them? All right, here, Thank I'm, you. I'm trying to move stuff around for you. There you go. Let's pray for these cats. Look how beautiful they are. Yeah. Man, just good looking. Come here, here, we'll just do this. There, move, I, don't, I don't need a stool. Okay. All right. Okay, let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing on these two couples as they move on to browner pastures. <laughs> <laughs> Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace and your love and your forgiveness. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience to the Father and to death on the cross, that we might share in your resurrection life. And Lord, we just lift up these two families to you in Jesus' name. Um, We just ask you to bless them, Lord, in their moving forward, um, being obedient unto you in the direction for their lives. Um, Lord, we thank you for allowing them to be here and encourage us and bless us and uh, um, be a part of this body for so long. Um, just, Lord, um, it's, your, your ways are miraculous, Lord, and it's just amazing to see you work in people's lives. And we just, again, thank you for these people. Um, thank you for their ministry here. Uh, and just bless them where they're going, that you would use them there and uh, as you're enlarging their borders and um, further your kingdom through them. We just thank you for that, Lord God. And um, I guess we'll see him when we see you. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come here, y'all. Come here. You go.
to mute this so no one can hear what I'm going to tell you on how I really am going to change the stage. You can't. Can you hear me now? Okay. Did you hear all the death threats that if they really did leave? Okay. Good. No, no witnesses, except until now. All right. Well, hey, uh, I said last week I was, I was excited and, and to have the opportunity to preach to you, and I did kind of admit that I really wanted to preach this week's passage. And um, you know what's exciting when you know something about a passage, and then you study it, and the Lord is just like overloading you with stuff you didn't know about? Yeah, that was this week. Uh, but I want to tell you guys real quick, uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. When I was in college, I, uh, hold on, I'm still a little teary. All right. Uh, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to um, buy a couple bases. Right? I had a lot of like overpayment checks on student loans, and I didn't just pay the money back. I just took it and went and bought cool music equipment, and, which is totally what the government wants you to do with, <laughs> with their funds to fund your education. Um, and one base that I got, we're about to like grade the room on how old you are right now. <laughs> Prepare yourself for your true reaction or fake reaction. I bought uh, an, an early 80s, late 70s Hofner bass. And if you don't know what Hofner bass is, it's the bass that Paul McCartney played when he played in the Beatles. Uh, I got a few, uh huh, yeah, yeah, I bought it. I bought it. And I was like, I traded in a bunch of music equipment. I paid cash. I bought all this stuff. And I got, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, just, it's not standard tuning. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I don't care. I can figure it out. And uh, had the original pickups. They put on different tuners. But, I mean, this thing was awesome, awesome, awesome. All right? It sang like an angel, but one with a bass tone, right, bass pitch, and literally. And I got it home uh, to my dorm, and I was just like, everyone in my hall hated me for, like, the next four days. Uh, and they're like, I'm like, ma, ma, ma. Uh, and they're like, Ryan, that's enough, man. That's enough. And I was like, all right, fine, fine, fine. I'll turn it down a little bit. And about two weeks later, I had, uh, I had an, like, not an appointment, but a practice for somebody. They were a music major, and they had to gather an ensemble of instruments or, and players to play with them through an entire, like, hour-long worship night. It was their final, their senior year. And they're like, hey, Ryan, can you, can you come in? I love the way you play with this and this. I love the way you do this song. Please, can you? I was like, yeah. And I took my, I took my brand new Hofner. Well, it's not brand new. It's new to me, right? It's really old. And, uh, and I also brought um, a Fender P bass, which is a totally different style of bass, but I love it. And that was from 1979. And it was like mocha brown. It was ugly, but it sounded really good. And uh, I, I, played in, I plugged in the Hofner, and I just started playing. And all this time, I've just been improving on it, just to kind of get a feel for it. And we start, we start playing the first song, and it is very clear that my bass is very much out of tune. So I, I pick up my, my tuner, and I, I start tuning, and I noticed that the guy wasn't wrong when he said that, Ryan, it tunes a little different, but what I thought he meant, like, maybe you do a different tuning, which you can do in instruments all over. But this one wouldn't tune to E at all which is not that big of a deal if you don't need the key of E or anything that's related to the key of E. Unfortunately, this could not do that, and I was pretty short-tempered. And so I took it 
out of, out of the practice room, and all my buddies were there, and I smashed this 1970, early 80s uh, Hofner uh, violin bass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it was very clear that he had kind of doctored the bridge a little bit and doctored the neck a little bit to where it, just, it can't tune right. Uh, and so I smashed it into about 11 pieces. And, um, and I don't know who, but someone filmed it and sent it to the guy I bought it from. And I, this was all within like a week. And, uh, and he texts me out of the blue, just, I want my pickups back. I don't care that you smashed it. And I was like, oh, man. And so I went and gave him the, the pickups back. And you could tell he was really frustrated about it. And that's when I realized that as good as it felt smashing the bass, getting revenge, it felt the exact opposite when I turned him the shattered pieces. I thought it would feel good, but it turns out revenge doesn't feel good, right? Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit about that in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 38 uh, in the ESV. So if you have NIV or whatever it is, you kids use it. Young's literal translation. Uh, my, one of my professors in college, he actually just read out of the Greek, like his translation, read the Greek out loud, and when nobody understood it because we didn't speak Greek. I don't know why I did that. Um, but here's what, we're going to pick up in 38, and we're going to go all the way down chapters later to verse 42. Uh, here's, here's we go, ready? Uh, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him also have your cloak. And if anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go two miles with them. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, here's the thing. This is wonderful because uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a shift in the moral code that Jesus is bringing to the table when he's on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, because it was in the Old Testament, when, when Moses was writing the law, it's, you can be fair. If someone takes something for you, you can take theirs right back or yours right back. If someone, you get in a fight with someone and they knock out your tooth, you can take one of theirs, right? If someone gouges out your eye, you can gouge out theirs. It's, it's pretty, right? Straightforward. If you take something, you're going to lose something, uh, right? If you take someone's life, you're going to be stoned. The, the, the area, the city, the, the judge uh, is going to take your life. And, uh, and what's interesting about this is, uh, let me, let's go here. Ready? Uh, getting, it's kind of like getting even, right? It's, if you didn't do this, you're going to have to give up this. And it's this, this even thing. And this is going to work out really, really well. Uh, Rick, can you come here? First, just like, like three seconds. You can just, all right. M on the moral ground, Rick has hurt me. And he's down there. But when you get even, right, when you seek revenge, you get, I'm going to get even with it. It's not like I go up. I literally sink to his level, and now we're even. <laughs> all right, see, get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, you're literally just getting even. That's all you're doing. And by getting even, you're allowing yourself to become the person who has hurt you or taken from you or stolen from you. Or hurt you whether it's physically or spiritually or emotionally or mentally. If someone were to mentally abuse you and you just do it right back, you're also an abuser. And oftentimes I think we miss that, right? We miss this, this concept of I'm just going to get even to put them in their place. No, you just put yourself in their place. That's all you're doing. Because revenge never works. It's, um, let's see here. 
All right, I'll make this like PG rated because there are some kids in here. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed for a short time, I led a college group. I was a, you could say I was a college pastor and it was a lot, a lot of fun because it's all the joy and zero pressure of like youth ministry. Like if you mess up on, with like youth ministry, they don't really catch it that often. Like about the 35 to 40 kids I have on Wednesday, about 10 of them will catch it if it's a real bad one. Um, but adults, you guys are intimidating. I'm not going to lie. Not, you're, you're intimidating. And uh, I'm a little scared because some of you guys know some stuff. All right, I'm looking around. I, people, there's people in here that know things about the Bible probably better than me. <laughs> okay? And so that's where college students fit in right in there. They don't really know where they're at. Right? No offense. But here's the thing. Is you're legally an adult. You might have a college degree. But you can't afford a mortgage. <laughs> you can get a credit card. And you can go to the mall and go to Lush and go to Mac and go to the Apple Store and get all the things you want. But you don't have a good career job yet to pay it all off. It's kind of like, it's kind of like middle schoolers, right, uh, where uh, they can make their own breakfast. They'll get themselves, they won't wake you up like your seven-year-old. They'll just get up and make themselves a bowl of cereal and go and watch cartoons. They love playing with, with Legos and they want to tag along with mom and dad and all the cool stuff. But they're still kind of like afraid of the dark. They don't, they don't quite have their spot figured out, right? And that's why I love middle, I was a middle school pastor for like two years and I loved it because I could just like play football with my dudes and like dislocate their shoulder and they're like, ha ha, awesome, All right? Um, here's the thing is, this is what I would tell them about like love and dating and some other stuff, my college students. I said, um, revenge, in this case, revenge is a lot like love. You can give your love, it's something you can give, it's not something you can take, Revenge is not for you to take. It's something that they and the Lord are going to have to figure that one out. That's not your, your responsibility. Getting Even taking revenge is just hurting you. And if you take someone's heart or love for granted or take advantage of it, it's not going to help you in any way in the long run at all, right? So getting revenge is the exact same thing. And I went online last night, uh, and I just kind of looked at some, some funny stories. Uh, one is this girl... And uh, she had an ex-boyfriend, and she was angry. He was not a good boyfriend. And so to get revenge, she took cooking oil and glitter and covered his car in olive oil and glitter. <laughs> Pretty cool revenge, huh? Until she found out that she is allergic to either glitter or <laughs> olive oil and just turned into one walking, boily rash. <laughs> All right? Oh, here's one. Here's one. Uh, I'll tell you this one, then we'll, we'll start moving on. Is uh, this kid... Wanted to go to summer camp. His mom and dad said no. And so he just decided to get revenge on mom and dad by failing all of his classes. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Little did he know that if you fail all your classes, you will have to repeat the 10th grade. <laughs> so while your friends are now juniors and they're getting to go to other cool upperclassmen stuff, you're stuck being a 10th grader. Right? Now, it's interesting that that's what happens when uh, you take, take revenge on somebody. Here's what Jesus says. He says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn to him the right also. So I need someone roughly 5'6". Marty, come here. It's your last Sunday, man. I'm going to make you the good guy. Fine. So when slapping someone on the right cheek. So uh, let's see. Okay, it's this one right here. Now here's something interesting I bet not a lot of you knew. In biblical times, in Jesus' time, Moses' times, uh, early, ancient, Near East history, uh, 
The way you would slap a slave is a lot different than you would slap a peer or someone near your status. So the back of your hand, that's for a slave. And so you swipe, you hit their right, someone hits your right cheek. The only logical way I can slap him now, if I'm right-handed, which most people were, was with the back of my hand, come across, like this. Ugh. Right? But here's the thing. Jesus says to turn the other cheek. I can now not slap him with the back of my hand. I, I can go all the time, and there's nothing there. Right? I have to come across with the palm of my hand. And this is how you would tr- slap someone you were just angry with, but is on the social level as you. All right? And what that means, here's something interesting. So this is like real sly on how to say it. By forcing me to use the palm of my hand, Marty is forcing me to recognize his social status, the equality of me, and his humanity, and his dignity. So it's not, it's not getting revenge. It's a passive way, and this is a classic passage for people to justify pacifism. Someone help me with that. Pacifism. I got it. Pacifism. Pacifism. Uh, that's, that's actually, if you are a pacifist, that is a common verse that they would use is, if, I, if you strike me, I will not strike back. And that's where they put a lot, which is fine, I don't care. Uh, but I must come across this way, and when I do that, he's forcing me to recognize his humanity. It's not revenge. It's opening him and showing, this is who I am, and this is how you're treating me. And that's almost even more eye-opening than getting revenge, because now they have to accept the fact, not just receive negative feedback from, from Marty that I do, but I actually have to make a confession that he's equal to me. Pretty cool. Which he is. Come here. Good job. Nice. Good job. Your hands are very soft. Yes. They're like veal. All right, later. All right, all right. And that's okay, right? Because he says, don't resist, right, early in the past, don't resist the one who's evil. Don't run away. Don't be a coward. Just stand your ground and force them to see who you are as a person. Made in the image of God. And equal to them, no matter what. doesn't matter how much money you make or who you're married to or where you live or how big your house is or how nice your brand new Acura fancy SUV is or your Lamborghini. One can dream. One can dream. All right? Uh, But it also doesn't mean, oh, just be passive and run away. Stand your ground and force them to see who you really are. Right? And it's it's interesting because if you think about it, uh, when... You turn the other cheek and someone slaps you. Legally, this is what I learned this week. It's really interesting. Legally, that was one way to punish someone. Like we all know uh, in in biblical times, people got stoned when they did stuff really bad. Uh, But one form of punishment, if you did a certain crime or did something to offend somebody, was for them to slap you in the face. Are you ready for your punishment? Quack, have a good day. And like, that was it. That was it. It was over. Uh, So legally, if you do something wrong and someone approaches you, I suggest stand there. Don't resist them. Take it. You're an adult. You're, you were big enough and smart enough to make that decision. You should be big enough and smart enough to take the punishment. Uh, now, here's the thing. When it was out of line, like me slapping Marty, right, turning the other cheek, like I said, demands humanity. However, it also shows how well you can give grace to other people, which God does command us to do, right? And the last thing is, like I said, don't take revenge and don't get even. Just take it. Just take it. Uh, and, and force them to see who you really are. Uh, let's, let's move on. I, I really like this, uh, this verse. Verse 40, I think it's really interesting. All these different phrases basically mean the same thing. But like it says in uh, 540, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. This is the exact same outcome. Uh, a lot of times people would take something 
as payment if you owe them money, if you've done them wrong, if you stole something. Oftentimes, they would just demand of your tunic. It's like, sure, this is, this is a tunic, all right? This is a tunic. What, what Rick's wearing is a tunic, right? What Michelle's wearing is a tunic. What Dave's wearing a tunic. Mike's wearing a tunic. Everyone here is wearing a tunic. Congratulations, all right? Uh, go you. <laughs> um, now, here's something interesting, though, is Jesus saying, if they're going to take your tunic, just give, give, give them your coat, your cloak. Cloak. Coat or cloak. There you go. That's what happens when you combine both words. Uh, now, here's something interesting is the cloak, or coat, look, I can do it, um, is it wasn't just a coat. It wasn't just something that you would wear on to match your boots, right? It was literally everything to poor people, and it was almost everything to everybody else. Uh, for example, um, let's see here, sweet Arden would go to the market to get some grain for her sweet hubby. She would oftentimes use her coat as like a gunny sack, and carry all the goodies from the market back, all her bulgur or rice or all those weird grains. My wife's really enjoying cooking right now. They're delicious. Uh, it's like oatmeal and rice together. There you go. Um, she would carry all that and maybe some dried meat or smoked meat, cured meat, and she would just go home carrying that instead of having to, they didn't have grocery bags, y'all. So she could maybe hold like the dried cured meat. But how are you going to, it's, it's grain. It's just going to fall through your fingers. So you'd use your coat to carry everything back. It was like your shopping bag. It was like your trunk of your car. It was all kinds of different tools. If you were poor, if you were poor, that was your lifeline. All right, if it was cold, it would keep you warm. If you were traveling, you would turn it into like your bed or your blanket overnight. A cloak was very expensive to buy, very difficult to make, and it was essential to everyday living. So it would be almost like this. It would be as if, rewind, if Marty and Rick were rebuilding my door from last week, and now I say, hey, thanks for, thanks for doing that uh, door. You're so kind and generous. I'm just going to take all your tools, too. For, to, for them, that's their livelihood, right? I'm just going to take, take all your tools. Cool, thanks. Uh, or uh, Rick's wife, Vanessa, right here, she has this wonderful, the exact color is called rave green, because I am a Jeep person, and I know that. Um, wonderful rave green, four-door Jeep, lifted, 35-inch tires, wish she had lockers, but maybe if she pulls hubby's hair a little bit, uh, or arm a little bit. Um, <laughs> that came out wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gather it all back in. If I could be like, hey, man, thanks so much for the eggs that you're, from your chickens. I'm just going to take your Jeep to take them home. Thanks. You'll never see me again. It's the same thing. By taking a cloak or a coat, uh, it's going to be a thing now, um, you're, you're taking someone's everything, everything that makes life a, able to do anything. It's essential to life, right? Now, here's something interesting to think about, though, is what it says in Exodus uh, 22, 25 through 27. So chapter 22, verse 25 through 27 is going to be up there because Mike's awesome. Uh, this is in the ESV. It says this, if you lend money to any of my people, yes, this is right. If you lend money to any of my people with you who are as poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. Right? Going back to that blanket, you know, mattress thing. Going back to that, that thought. You'll, you'll return before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear him. For I am compassionate 
when you take someone's cloak, when you take someone's livelihood, when you take something valuable from that person and you have no intention of returning it, you're basically robbing them. And from what this passage tells me, it's not just something where you, you betrayed somebody, you're actually sinning against God because you took something that isn't yours. Isn't that interesting? It's going back to the humanity. You're depriving them of their humanity. You're depriving of what's essential to their life, their livelihood, their ability to go to the market, their ability to be warm at night. Moving on. Uh, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, here's what I did not know about this passage at all. I think you'll like it. Uh, it goes all, this practice of forcing someone to do so. Okay. Marty's my friend. I can touch this. All right. So it would be like this. Hey, I know you. I'm Persian. We need to go all the way to Monroe. You're going to carry that. And by law, by law, you have to. You don't get a choice. I might not even know him. I might just be some random Joe Schmo. And he now has to carry my guitar anywhere I want for one mile. And then you would give it back to me, and then I carry my guitar the next mile. You don't have a choice. I commanded it of you. Now, this was really common where Persians would do it with their slaves. If they were just around, they just borrowed a slave for a mile uh, from someone else. Now, here's the thing is, Rome and the Romans <clears throat> would, uh, they adopted this practice, and Rome, you all might know, actually invaded uh, Israel during Jesus' time, uh, during the Roman Empire, and Romans would inflict this punishment and this cruelty on random Israelites, right? Because we have invaded your land, we're occupying your country, we are in charge of you, you have to listen to us, I have a sword that says you will, <laughs> and you have no say so. Uh, the Romans would do this to uh, anyone in Israel anywhere. If you were not a Roman, they would just demand it of you, and you had nothing to do. Now, could you imagine if I got up and I was Roman and... Uh, and uh, Sean here was an Israelite, I could simply just say, come on, you're going to keep me company. Now, he doesn't know me. You don't know me. I picked him and not John because, you know, ribs and stuff and trying to throw in the trough. Okay, you were there. If you're there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so you're going to go with me a mile. Now, could you imagine, after about a mile, after about a minute, uh, how happy do you think Sean is that he's going to have to walk all the way to Big Bend carrying my groceries, because I said so. And it, could, how, how good would you feel? <gasps> I'm helping a ramen, ra random Roman soldier, uh, helping his do all of his, his chores. And oh, by the way, he's actually occupying my country, and so he's a soldier that wants to take over where I live. How good do you feel, Sean? Like eating all your groceries. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about how long it took from there to here for you to start bickering. Isn't that interesting? Now imagine going a mile. Oh, who is pleasant after that walk? You or me? Or none of us? And that's usually what happens. But here's the thing. We're going to go two times. Remember, not one mile. You don't walk. The Bible says it. You don't walk with them one mile. You walk with them two miles. And here's what you're doing. You're witnessing to me. You don't get grumpy. You're happy about it. He's saying you should be joyed on helping someone, even if they're oppressing you and occupying your lands. So now, instead of us both being bitter and regretting the idea for you to help me, uh, I'm actually enjoying your presence, which means you're earning, I'm earning, you're earning the right to speak into my life. You're earning the right to witness into my life. You're earning the right to talk about Jesus into my life. 
So now we're happy. I've enjoyed your company. You've gotten to do something God calls you to do. And it's only two miles, dude. Like, that's about how long I run on the treadmill once a year. <laughs> All right, there we go. Awesome, right? So you're actually being motiv- motivated to, to actually help people that are oppressing you. You're helping them enjoy their life, make things easier, and you're earning the right to speak into their life, right? I love doing this, and so does Dick, because he lets me borrow all of his tools all the time. No, that's not a joke. That's not a point. That's just truth. That's fact. Uh, that's about right. About every other day. I think I've borrowed your circular saw like four times in the last week, yeah. But I'm getting better at returning them quicker. See? All right. Uh, now, here's something interesting. I love this. I love this. One thing that's probably most interesting about verse 41 uh, and verse 39 is they actually tie in. Going back to verse 39, but I say to you, do not resist the evil one. Don't resist your enemy. Show, show to them who you are. Force, you don't have to seek revenge. You don't have to get even. Don't do those things. In fact, just, just don't avoid them. Let them come in and out and show them who you are, right? What's greater, getting revenge or having peace? And them realizing who you are and them treating you like you need to be deserved, by the way you need to be treated. I'm trying this tea thing because I know I always talk too much really fast, so I'm trying to, like, entertain my mouth. All right, and I always do this, too. There you go. And I'm nervous in front of y'all. All right, uh, verse 42. This is our last verse of the day. You ready? It's a big one. So just hold it. Okay. Give to one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Here's something really cool. It means we need to give with no strings attached. If you want to know what that looks like, come into our office any day of the week and watch how Cindy treats people. She doesn't say, well, when are you going to pay us back? What are you going to do with this money? You can only use this money for this. Nine times out of ten, they come in. Pastor Cindy, they call her Pat. It's so, so awesome. She probably pastors better than me and John anyway. Um, and she goes, well, how much do you need? I need seven. And there's always weird numbers, and that's how you know they're telling the truth. Weird I need $11 for laundry detergent because my kids are going back to school next week and all their clothes are dirty and I have nothing to wash them with. Uh, yeah, we're going to give you $11. Yeah, here. When do I need to bring this money back? Uh, never. <laughs> No, you don't. It's no, there's no strings attached. Um, I think I might have mentioned it one other time. <laughs> is a, about July. Uh, my ball bearings on my, my ball joints on my Jeep. Got it. I'm a Jeep person. You're going to hear it. My ball joints on my Jeep, which help the, the tires not vibrate on random. And if you need to know if yours are good or not, look at your tire. And if it looks like tum- someone took a spoon and ate out of random spots like it's ice cream, Something's wrong. <laughs> and that's how, <laughs> trust me, I've seen me do it. Um, and so I found out I, the, the repair was going to cost $907.11. Not that I remembered. And I'm going, dude, my son is going to be born any day. I'll do it myself because I'm not paying for that labor. And um, I called someone. And I said, how long do you think, like a buddy of mine, like seems who has a Jeep, does this stuff on his Jeep all the time. And he goes, dude, that's going to take you at least eight hours because you actually don't know how to do it. It'd take a shop maybe four. Your wife is going to go into labor any moment. Do you really want the one car you have to be on jacks right now? Because you don't. Uh, something could happen. And someone in this church, 
uh, found out a day or two later, and I got a call from the, from the repair shop, and they said, Mr. Bell, yes, who's this? We're Apex Auto. Uh, you brought your Jeep in last week. Yeah. You're... Nope, not me. Um, uh, they said, Ryan Bell. I said, yeah, and they're like, your bill has already been the $907.11? Yeah. Someone came in with a check and paid it off. Can you drop your Jeep off tomorrow morning? It's been paid for. I, no strings attached. None. Now I talk about that all the time, and I get to brag on you guys about it all the time. Isn't that awesome, that type of testimony? Now imagine you being the person, and I knew who you were. Oh, I would be hugging you and kissing you and thanking you every day. I, you, you get, like, sweet text messages from me. So if that's you and you're discouraged, you should tell me so I can, like... <laughs> Everyone close your eyes and raise your hand if you're the person who did it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, and here's something interesting. Give to the one who begs from you and don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now here's what that means, along with the no strings attached. It's different. It's not like a loan. It's not you are the money lender and you're lending it and you're going to charge them interest. Or yeah, I'll lend you this money if, if you do this for me and then we'll call it Nothing. Because if they're, let's be logical for a second, okay? If they're in a situation where they're begging for money, let's be honest with each other, what's the realistic opportunity that they're going to be able to pay you back anytime soon or anytime ever? So why would we put that unspoken, unrealistic expectation on someone who's in desperate need? It'd be pretty, pretty messed up, all right? Uh, now, so here's, here's what I got for you. What can you give? Who can you give to? And if you look at your seat, you'll have this one piece of paper that you either moved so you didn't sit on it or you just sat on it and now it's really weird and warm. Uh, is who can you invite to Easter? Because that's a relationship with Jesus in my somewhat unhumble opinion on this topic is giving someone the gift of Jesus is the greatest thing you can give them. Who's in your reach seven? Who you're praying for like it counts and matters on you if they know Jesus or not? Who? Because it, it actually matters. Their soul for eternity. Imagine just like, like breaking your leg and it hurts for a while. That's kind of like what, what hell's like. But it doesn't feel like that for a week or for like a month when your leg gets out of the cast. It's like horrible torture forever. Not a year. Not the length of it to you know, nine months for you to give birth. Nothing like that. It's just forever. Imagine if it was actually up to you for someone to avoid that forever. And it was dependent on you. That's probably the greatest thing you can give. So give to those who beg. And there are people who are begging for a better life. They're begging for a way to fix their marriage. They're begging for a way to fix their financial crisis. They're begging for a way to get their kids to listen and not misbehave. They're begging for their marriage to work. They're begging for a purpose. And I think Jesus is probably the best thing we could give them when it comes to those regards. Because money won't fix that. A new car won't fix that. New ball joints won't fix that. Tithe in the plate kind of fix it. But what if it really mattered on you and not your money? How would you get them here? Right? A lot of these people have had revenge taken out on them and they take it out on everybody. And they don't know what they're doing. And they need Jesus bad. Bad. Right? So... Let me, let me end with this. Revenge is not yours to take and damages you more than the original offense. 
be gracious when someone slaps you, whether it's physically or metaphorically, unless it's a slap bet. That's okay. You know, where you bet and not money, you get to slap the loser in the face. Uh, I did it in middle school. That's also not a good idea. For reals, though, it's terrible. Uh, show grace, right? When someone slaps you or takes your cloak or, you know, takes your eye or your tooth, whatever. Show grace. Be kind to those who want to harm you. And the best thing I can say is be giving. Don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to give your time to this church and serve little kids or to summer camp. Or if, if these kids get, go to fine arts, man, give to them. Help them out. They're going to do something they've never done before. There's kids in the loft that need your help, that want you there. There's kids on Wednesday night that want you here. They, they don't know anything good in their life. And if you don't believe me, come this Wednesday, and I'll point out all of them to you. And you go, no, not all these kids, and I'll say all of these kids. And you will be in shock to see what state our kids are in this valley. Your jaw will hit the floor, and you go, these kids need Jesus, and I will do anything to do to get them, get them there. Arden and Dick know. Rick knows. His wife, Vanessa, knows. All kinds of people. People, Sean knows. So what are we going to give for Easter? What are we going to give for our life? What are we going to give to Jesus? What are we going to give to this church? What are we going to give to our coworkers? Well, I hope it's a little bit of grace and kindness, and I hope it's not revenge. If you guys just take a moment and bow your head real quick. Um, and just think about where you can give, what you can give, who you can give to, where you might not have been as gracious as you should have been and shown a little bit more uh, leniency. And where, where could you be kind, who can you be kind to? Someone who's down on their luck and needs a little bit of just goodness in their life. They just got nothing right now going for them. They just need a win. How can you help them get them there? Jesus, I pray for my people. I pray for them in all kinds of different ways. I pray for healthy pregnancies. I pray for uh, people that are going to be leaving soon. I pray you can keep them safe, and I pray we stay. Uh, this is a family here, and when you become a ministry partner, we treat you like family. And I pray that they are still part of this family for forever, and we get to see them before we go to heaven and be with each other for eternity, that we get to hang out and call and text and send pictures and all the exciting things of life and a move. Lord, I pray that as school comes back next week, uh, there's a certain level of peace in our schedules and in school and work and all of that. I pray we don't get so stressed out that we start taking revenge and we stop being kind. Lord, I pray that we can be uh, spiritually and emotionally and physically passive to the people that hurt us. Instead, we show them not only what we are, human, and loved by God, but that we love them and we love Jesus. And that when they do take revenge or what they do hurt us, what they really see is not getting even with us, but they see Jesus and what they might be destroying. Thank you, Lord. Keep, uh, keep our people who aren't here safe. Um, be with Pastor Sean today as he just gets a day of rest and peace and comfort. And uh, we love you, Lord. Amen. Hey, as they say in the OG church, grace and peace. Don't forget about the artwork in the lobby. It's cool. Find the hummingbird and find the owl. I dare you. If you can, if you can find the, the muskrat, you're, you're gifted. Is that okay? Hmm, you're tough, dude. Everybody knows that. You're tough, dude.
You don't want